This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast, and we're all on international duty. It is the international break. We've decided to take a break, go on international brutty this week. Brutty duty this week. As, that's right. As we are sitting here in Southwark, the White Hart. We think, did we get it a bit wrong? Because this is literally around the corner from the Love Sports Studios. Did we think we're doing a radio show tonight? But oh no, we got it wrong. It's the podcast. So we thought, oh, let's come down the pub instead. Let's get out the microphone. Let's sit down, a couple of pints of Pride and also a ginger beer. And um, let's talk football, even though we're in international duty. My name is Billy Grant and uh, I'm still beaming from Saturday. We, uh, I wouldn't say that we got away with murder because we absolutely tore Forest to pieces for most of the game. But we got the result that we needed to and we're still riding high. We're just below the parapet, which is good enough as far as we're concerned, because we're in peeping distance at the top of the league, but we're doing all right. But anyway, I'm sitting around there with my chums, my buddies, as we call it, and we're all sitting around here in the White Hart, which is in Southwark, like I said to you, Wicked Pub. We come here a couple of years ago, did one of our earlier podcasts in here, and my, this place has changed. It was a proper, original, old school, no frills, no anything like that, spit and all us. But they closed it down for about three or four months, they refurbed it up now, and it's still got that original vibe, but it's just a, got that little modern twinge to it as well. An old modern twinge. And I'm sitting here with Laney. How you doing? Good, mate. Very good. Yeah, back on my old stomping grounds. Um, this part of, uh, part of South London is very familiar to me. So, um, yeah, as you say, this was a spit and sawdust pub up until probably five or six years ago. In, uh, I know they've had a refurb, but... It wasn't in five, six, it was literally, it was, it was about a year and a half ago we come down here. Yeah? No, it was, it was worse before then. This was on, this was on our um, lunchtime FT drinking round. So we used to come here probably once every couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, especially in the summer, because you can stand outside here, so it, it wasn't far. But yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a tidy little pub. And as you say, like looking back to the weekend, um, yeah, it wasn't it, no injustice at all. I think that was the, the relief of the whole afternoon was it looked for a long time we might have to settle for a draw and it was just brilliant that we got what we deserved and the deserved was three points. 
the three points was deserved and we're very, very happy. Sitting here with the Westbrook. Ian Westbrook, he does all the away fan features on Besotted. You read them, very, very interesting. Always gets a local BBC journal to do his piece as well. Uh, very grateful for that. And the away fans are very grateful for that as well because it's a nice little pub guide for them, for River fans and for away fans. And uh, it's great for them because it means that they actually kind of distribute themselves around the whole of Brentford and just don't sort of try to cram themselves into two pubs that they've all heard of as well. Ian, how you doing? I'm fine, Billy. Good to be here. Thank you for asking me. Um, still thinking about the Forest game where some of the football we played was absolutely brilliant, especially in the first half. See Brentford team playing like that is still really exciting, still a privilege to watch some of that. Look forward to a bit of a Brentford break. I think you're going to watch the other Bees this weekend of Barnet back down in the conference, seeing how they're going to do. Apologies for that. So, yeah, all good. All good. I mean, talking about the conference, I'll talk about that in a minute. I'll catch you. I got an invite from my daughter, got an invite to Leighton Orient uh, last night as well to be a flag bearer. And uh, I had to tell her no. I'm sorry. Flag bearer for the death of the club. <laughs> There's a flag bearer on the pitch anyway for the Leighton Orient game, and I said to her, no, you can't do it. You have to remember your loyalty. So, uh, I think she's still crying in the corner upstairs, actually. But anyway, we've got a newbie in the house, Cham De Silva. His first time on the podcast, and welcome. It's not always good to get a newbie in the house. How are you doing? I'm really good, Billy. Uh, thanks to you and Dave for letting me on. Been listening for a couple of years, so uh, really interested to come here today and contribute to the podcast, as usual. Which is all good, man. It's all good. So it's good to hear you. Any stories that you've got, anything that you've got to tell, just just, just bear your soul. You know? Professions. Yes, no, no, right. no. You know, honestly, honestly, we're here. We won't tell anybody. You know, I promise I'll turn the microphone off. You know, we won't keep recording. You know, just just tell us anything you want. No, I'm, I'm, I've got no skeletons in my closet, Billy. I'm all good. Okay, cool. We'll come back to that later anyway. But listen, we've got quite a few things that we're going to talk about today on the podcast, like International Week, so there's no game on Saturday. Well, there is. There's an England game on Saturday, which we may or may not talk about. We'll see what it is. But we're going to hop back to the Forest game at the weekend, of course, because that's a big, big talking point for us as well. Uh, don't forget, we got the radio show, which we did after that on Monday. Check that out. Very, very funny on um, besotted.com forward slash audio or prideofwest.london as well. Check it out. We had a little fake news piece on there as well, which actually has gone down very, very well. We talked about all the stories out there, like Abramovich trying to buy Brentford and um, Kev O'Connor, you know, £1 million sale to Liverpool was that one as well. We forgot to talk about actually Klopp managing Brentford, which is a story post, I think it was post Warburton, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, we're going to get Klopp in, like, you know what I'm saying? All the fake news stories that came out, you know, which is, uh, which is all good. So check that out. Pride of West. Pride of West dot london and uh yeah a monday's radio show and as well so we're going to just talk anyway you can shoot the breeze because we're we're on international duty it's almost like you know got the flip-flops out we've got the shorts out we've got the panama Pan- panama hats out we've got the flowery shirts you know and uh yeah this is what we're going to do but after that after this little break we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the forest game i'm delighted with that because you showed a maturity in the performance we came up against the dirty Karanka side that we've done against, as we used to against Borough. And Borough used to get the upper hand with us. But we, we kept playing, we kept playing, and we got our just desserts bill. We're a team that's on the up, and we're going to come across more and more of this because teams are going to want to stop us playing. And I think that's a compliment to us. We're a dangerous side, and the only they can't play us. They've only got to try and nullify us. As, as Rob said, I thought it was a really grown-up performance. I thought it was a really big win, as big as it could be this early in the season. It keeps us at the right end of the table. Um, I thought we played really well. 
I thought we were solid against the sort of team that we normally fall down against. As, yeah, that typical niggly, foul-rotating big team. And when they started playing, they actually looked a half-decent team when they got playing. But their tactics are different. We're, we're getting spot with the football we play. There was some lovely football in the first half. Um, and again at the end, and it's, it's a big and it's a good three points. Very happy with that. So we got the Forest lads in the house. And uh, I was standing with you in the first half, actually, in the Forest end interesting view from that end as well and interesting to hear the fans opinions and that half you thought that Brentford should have been well and truly clear didn't you I wouldn't say well and truly clear but you definitely deserved the lead which you, well you didn't have it at that point did you but yeah I was surprised that you weren't winning we, we just didn't look at the races at all especially in that first half you can always rely on Matty Cash to come up with a little bit of brilliance we've, we've signed all these players spent a lot of money but it's the academy guy that's still managing to try and get us something create us something but all in all you just knew there was another goal in the game and it probably wasn't going to be for us I think your lads knew what to expect and gave as good as they got but yeah I mean the ref lost the game quite often as well I don't know what happened at the end up at your your way but it's just one of those things oh it's work in progress we've spent 19 years shifting managers spending a bit of money here and there we've finally now got a stable owner that's willing to put some money in place and get the structure right. So, you know, it's the first season of us being this club that is supposedly going to be on the up. So we can't rush into it. We've spent some money, but we, we, we can be patient. Yeah, I enjoy Griffin Park. I enjoy every London away trip, to be fair. Um, Griffin Park, fantastic place. Uh, proper old ground, isn't it? Old school. Uh, last of the terraces in the championship now. Now Burton have got relegated. So enjoy it. Result of rubbish, performance rubbish, but... Nice welcome from the Brentford lads. Very negative performance, I thought. Very negative setup, but uh, I thought credit to Brentford. I thought Brentford was superb for 90 minutes. We had a little 20 minutes spell in the second half, but I thought a draw would have been a travesty, mate. We got, we got what we deserved, and you know that that was probably the most pleasing thing today. To be honest with you, was the fact that uh, we we came out of that game against Karanka's very very kind of brutal. Well, not brutal, but it was. It was a typical niggly Karanka team who were wasting, wasting the, you know, wasting time in the even in the first half. So, you know, yeah. Again, so we can go into the international break, uh, sitting there in fifth place, eleven points, three points off the top. I think that's a, that's a really, really encouraging start. It could have been better. Yeah, it, it, it is what it is, and it's what what it is is really, really encouraging. So I'm excited to come back in two weeks against Wigan, and uh, yeah, we you know it, it looks like we are becoming a real deal. So talking about the Forest game, I mean we didn't talk about the Forest game. We let the fans talk about the Forest game, and now we are going to hark back and talk to that Forest game last Saturday because it brings a smile to my face at least because last season I wasn't smiling at all Mark Warburton came down desperate to win I desperately wanted to win that match because I, I just felt that we needed to just set ourselves up nicely for the season we need to put a few skeletons away in our cupboard there's all sorts of stuff that needed to happen uh, we played alright actually that game but we let in some stupid goals you know from some ridiculous positions on the pitch some player that doesn't even play for them anymore scored two goals from about 75 yards if I remember rightly I think he plays for Olympiacos now um, completely ridiculous but, um, yeah so I so wasn't very happy but hey that's the way it goes but this season like I said we put that last season skeleton behind us by beating Forest 2-1 even though we let in a silly goal again which is one of those ones where you've got to put your head in your hands thinking are we ever going to make our life easy for ourselves we made it difficult but to be fair to the team 
They bowled away. They stuck with the plan. They continued to play football. They kept getting punched in the face and kicked around the pitch, but they, they dealt with it in the right way. And they did the thing which upset the Forest fans. They scored the goal, which gave us all three points. And to me, that shows it's interesting because Dean Smith said that he felt that the team had moved up a level after seeing us playing in that game. The way that we dealt with a number of different situations in the game, because he said the game kept on changing, was changing, and they dealt with all the different situations. And he says that we moved up a level. And I don't know if, you know, reading in between the lines, he's sort of saying last season we were like verging on a top six side. We look like we are much more a top six side now because we're learning to deal with these situations and, uh, and, and get the results. Ian? I thought I'd heard about Forest's reputation before, before the game. What friends with sported teams they played already. I knew they were a dirty side. Couldn't quite believe they were wasting time from the first minute, the goal kicks. But we coped with it well. It's quite uh, ironic that we actually scored in the top of the time added on for the time Pantenemon wasted, which was good. And I said, as I said before, some of the football we played, some of the movement to get in the first half was just absolutely unbelievable. I've got a friend who watches games who's never happy. Even he was happy with some of the first half play on Saturday. And also the fact that we came back, you know, as you said, when we let in goals last season, the team went down. But the fact we roused ourselves again, we didn't, although we had five bookings to their seven, we didn't really get, we didn't get drawn into the battle that much. We kept playing the football. I think it's a really good result. Cham, I mean, you've seen us last season, a couple of seasons. Do we look like we are improving as a team? I think we've improved massively over the last couple of years. This time last season, that, that result would have been points dropped, either a loss or a draw. So for this year, for us to see Bentley make a horrendous error, I can't even believe, I, I watched him replay a few times, I can't even believe he, he let that in really. And he was getting a massive shellacking, but for the, for the team to, to, to look past that, for Watkins to have that killer instinct, a guy who doesn't really play central um, up front really, he's on the wings, for him to get in, score a great goal, uh, great celebration as well, it lifted all the fans up and it's put us into the top six, which is great. We weren't here last season, we are now, and everyone knows about us now. Laney, we, um, we've got a few more points than we ever at this time last season. Um, I'll just ask the question, have we played any better than we have last season? Because last season we, we played pretty well and we hadn't got the results. What is the difference? We, probably, we may not have actually played any better, but the squad's better, the, the, the team's better, we're, we're, we're more solid. Um, we're, we're playing with players that collectively all want to be at Brentford and all want to be in the starting lineup. When we started last season, there were players that were still looking to go, um, and and we haven't got that situation anymore. So every single player that is out there is contracted to us for the foreseeable future, you know. And, and it's part part of me is a you know guy to see Ryan Woods go, but if he doesn't want to be here, then it's better than it's better than he's somewhere he, he does want to be. So yeah. So answer your question. I think I think the performances last year were really good too, but. I think we we are yeah we we we're in a better place we're we're in a better place um, I think there's a better vibe around the camp I think it's a, it's, it's more positive and I, and I think we definitely have got um, a, a deeper squad a deep more depth to the squad um, the one thing that really jumps out as me was also from the Forest game was um, some of the sort of post-match commentary by Kenny Byrne who was um, uh, it's a Forest legend he, you know he won at least one European Cup. But he was he was quite happy apparently that Forrest got seven bookings during that game. 
um, because he, he 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 saw that as a sign that Forest weren't weren't prepared to be bullied. And I'm thinking, my God, right? If there's anyone bullying anyone out on that pitch, it was Karanka's team, and we and we're used to it. So that was probably the biggest one of the biggest clickbait stories of the week for me was like you know this myth that poor little Forest were being bullied by Brentford like and you know they had to resort to fouling tactics because they wouldn't roll over for us you know the truth was if they hadn't have kicked and hacked and bitten us they would have got done over by a far bigger margin um, it's interesting you, you talk about Ryan Woods um, just thinking about it and this is actually quite amazing this is the the first podcast we did a radio show on on on, on monday and we didn't even even really talk about him and uh, we've done a podcast today and i just thought back to it and i thought actually this is actually the first podcast since the end of the real transfer window because the tra- real transfer window was last friday and he was kind of in effect he went a little bit before that but this is the first podcast now the fact is that it's interesting you say that brentford in effect you can see that they've taken a stance Ryan Woods was not given a game as soon as he said that he, he didn't want to play for us until the line was drawn in the sand that he could not move anywhere he was not allowed to play for Brentford he played in the League Cup but that's a different scenario but he was not allowed to play for our first team whereas last season we had Colin we had Dean you know we had you know Hotter all playing for us and we had some sort of mismatched kind of really weird kind of sort of kind of team that you know some of the players that didn't really want to be there but in but as well but also we had the manager putting them in the side as well now do you think I mean you sort of said as a, but in retrospect because at the time you must have thought we got to Stoke you think we could do with Woods in this game or we go to Aston Villa we say this is a Ryan Woods kite game you get a little bit frustrated that he hasn't played but in, in retrospect now can you see why we did it and do you think it's the right move even though we might have lost a few points say at Blackburn I think you, you can understand and I think we knew in the Villa game he was on the bench at Villa and then when Makeka went off I can't remember who came on for him and he thought this is the time Woods is going to come on and he, thought, he didn't come on at Villa they brought I can't whoever it was came on that's right Makoche came on he thought, that's it he really is finished because that time we thought maybe he will be staying he won't be staying but Makeka and his replacement in the team he didn't come on for him you knew then that was it he was definitely going to go before the window closed and fair play to the club I do wonder what, you know, why if he wasn't going to play maybe don't even put him on the bench and include him in the matchday squad but he's on the bench there's a chance we might bring him on um, I think we've handled it quite well I think they knew he was going to go this summer it's a shame Woodsy was a great player for us you know I loved it but it might have been a different situation that he'd stay but Josh McEachern has stepped up and he's been a different player this season in that, in that role as always happens with us we lose someone someone steps up so there we go Maybe that answers the question as well like about are we strong, in a stronger position this time this year than last year. It's the fact that last year probably it was almost impossible to have not played those three players because there wasn't the strength in depth. This year there is. And, you know, I mean, it might sound really flippant, but have we missed Ryan Woods? No. Um, and, and that's a fact, you know. I thought against Villa it was crying out for him to come on but you know the substitutions worked and, and we almost won that game because of those substitutions so you know thank you Ryan Woods and I, know, I wish he, I wish he was still here but have we missed him will we miss him it's, that's, that's up for debate I, I, I personally think not to just follow up on what Laney and, and Ian have said the truth is uh, Gene Smith earlier this season pre-season has told Josh McEachern giving him some confidence said you will be playing in centre midfield 
and he's just um, proven that point. He's been great in all these games. Not only that, but he seems to have got an, an edge to him where he's, he's tackling really hard. He's not going down as easy. He's, he's become a bit of a playmaker as well. We always knew he had the talent, but we weren't sure about his heart, and, he, and he's proven that really. So we've surpassed Woods. It's, it's really weird. Even Mokocho and, and Yanaris are players that some players that we feel have been not there have, have really stepped up. Mokocho looked really good when he came on against, against Villa. And we, we don't need Ryan Woods anymore. I wish him all the best, but we've moved on, and so has he. It's just, I'm mean, still on the Ryan Woods thing. That Woods used to start pretty much every match. Some people say he's the first name on the on the team sheet. Now we've got um, Josh McEachern. The question is: Is he the type of player that you start every match? Would he start against Rotherham, as against Blackburn, as against Ipswich, as against Villa? Is he that type of player, or does he have to come in and out depending on the opposition? Do you think? I think the way he's played this season, I would have would always have him in the team. You know, I would be quite happy if McEachern had been moved on in the summer. Because the first two years he's been with us, he hasn't really done that much. He's got been shaken off the ball quite easily. He's got injured quite easily. But to me, he's looked a totally different player this season. He plays like that every week. I'd have him in the team in that role. McCartney. Blackburn, though. Well, Blackburn, I don't think anybody played well. I didn't know. You know, I thought that. You know, we're entitled to off days. I think we had an off day at Blackburn. I thought the game should have finished nil-nil. They happened to take their chance. You know, that was just one of those days where nobody really, Benarama was okay, Nico, but really it was just a, just a bad day at the office, really. So, you know, I would, playing how he's played in most games, I would start Josh. Like, six months ago, I wouldn't have said that. It's interesting. I actually watched the match, uh, as you may or may not know, from the Nottingham Forest end. I was doing a, a little bit of reconnaissance in there. Like I said to you, I was taking the Forest end on my own. And, uh, yeah, I was hanging out with my chums and the Forest end. Uh, and it was really interesting to watch the game from a different perspective. I saw the goal. Um, I saw, uh, you know, McLeod's goal as well in, in, in extra time. Their heads went down. I heard all the songs that were singing. Like I said, the I, I Tor Carranca. He comes from Spain uh, and he thinks Lampard's a... Oh, I talk, which is very funny. And the thing about that song is, I have to admit, on Sunday and Monday, I could not get that song out of my head. It was hilarious as well. They had the jokes as well. They had, um, they, 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 as also, they, they sung, um, We'll Never Be Mastered by You Cockney Bastards. I've, I've not heard that song for about 20 years, like you know what I'm saying. So it's quite funny. It's got sort of seen the old school singing selection from the uh, the forest there. I, th- I thought you'd gone up that end because it was the 70s day and it was the Royal Oak and I thought I thought you'd just taken your position on the oak. That's right, yeah, that's right. All the forest fans would take the oak and I'd, I'd come to take it back, to reclaim, to reclaim it. That's right. I want to say, I thought the forest fans were quite witty after they equalised some of the songs to Dan Bentley. They were quite amusing and then when we got the goal and, hint, and Bentley... What, the, what were they singing? Well, they were singing Bentley's on fire, your defence is terrified <laughs> and various other things based around that, you know. He's one of our own. Yeah, yeah, he's one of, yeah. There was a whole selection of songs. I thought, be fair, you know, fair play, they were witty and then when we scored and Alda asked him to score and he showed it, it was just a good, just a good moment, I thought. Yeah, no, I mean, the Forest fans were... <coughs> were coughing, they were coughing. So Billy's, Billy died on air on, on Monday and it sounds like he's wheezing away, he's going to die again during the podcast. So he's back from the dead, Billy is back. It only happens once every programme. I die and I come back from heaven and I'm feeling glowing. You can see me floating over the bar as we're speaking, you know, with my hands raised high. But anyway, I was in the, like I said to you, I was in the forest and it was absolutely teething tremendous, but um. It's interesting to hear the views from the Forest fans. 
First of all, they were saying, I've got no idea how you're not winning this game, which is a thing that we hear all the time. Um, we're not in this game. Goddamn, we are awful. And then, um, and then I don't know how your player got booked then. That looked like a stone-cold penalty to me <laughs> as well. well the, honestly, all these things that you're hearing from the Forest fans, I mean, a few of them are also going, you, you cheat, you cheat, and all this stuff as well. Um, and then when we scored, they said, to be fair, it was coming. So, um, you know, it was kind of like reassuring to, to think that I wasn't with the rose-clint-tinted glasses, but, you know, you're with the, you're with the, the way fans and they're actually thinking the same thing. I like the fact that every time you have one of these wheezing fits, you you pass, you thrust the microphone over to me like I'm gonna just take over, like no one will ever notice, and all I do is give a running commentary on you dying, <laughs> <laughs> and it gives you a chance to actually get another swig of London Pride, which actually seems to smooth it down, which is probably not a great thing actually, so, not for med- medicinal purposes, of course, like you know. <laughs> but anyway, so but listen, just coming back to that, I mean, there's just lots of thoughts on the Forest game because we are now in fifth position three points off the top looking at Leeds United um, as we said we're playing Leeds United which is now moved to TV if you don't know on the 6th of October it's a 12.30 kickoff. so anyone who bought train tickets early is on a bit of a fluff that one we actually uh, made a bit of a gamble and we decided to go up a bit early so we're actually catching that game we've decided to go to that game even though we're not happy with the ticket prices for Leeds United but at the end of the day we will still make our voices known about that we're going to support our team. Anyone who doesn't want to go and support the team because of the ticket prices, we also understand that. We think that's fair play. But we shall move on from that. We're going up to Leeds with that one. It looks like still that that game is going to be the jewel in the crown because Brentford are, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, top of the XG charts. They're the team that seems to be the one who are who are playing the great football, who are passing the ball around. The players are actually being really exceptional. And Leeds United are a little bit of an unknown force. Um, Every the fans that I've been speaking to who have played them going leads to something else. The Norwich fans were just saying they're on another level. They thought they were absolutely brilliant. They said that they were passing the ball around, but they weren't doing it for the whole of the game, they were doing it in fits and starts. So it seems when we go up to Leeds up there, we might need to have a bit of a game plan. You know, it's, we can't necessarily go gung ho. We might need to sort of kind of try and curtail them to a certain extent. Or are we going to go up there and just try and outscore them? Is it going to be a, a seven-all game? But we shall see. But it's going to be quite, you know, it's going to be quite interesting that one. But the thing I think what I'm trying to say is that it looks like we're setting ourselves up at the moment now. This isn't sort of kind of like a just a passing moment. We are actually a good side, and we're not a good side because we've just happened to, you know, become a good side. This has been something that's been building over a number of years. We've been learning from the mistakes, bringing the right players in, bringing in the depths of squad. The players are sort of learning. We've got a team who has been together. We've got the new players are coming who all feel like players. So we are actually real side. So when we go out there, we do play real football week in and week out. So this looks like at the moment now, unless we have a bit of bad luck or terrible injury, it's going to last. So we're going to be within the top two, top four, top six, top eight, top ten for a large part of this season. Um, how excited are you about that? Yeah, I'm, re- I'm really excited. And sometimes, as a fan, or you know, I mean, looking back through history, you know, you know that we, you know, we've, you know, we've, we said this a lot on the podcast. We've watched a lot of rubbish in our time at Brentford <laughs> Football Club, so we know when it's good. And we, we have seen over the last five, six years, and more so over the last two or three years, we've been getting better and better. Not, not. In, in the style of play, in the confidence of the play, um, the, the quality of the players that we've been bringing into the club, this is probably as technically good as we've ever been as a football club. And it's not to say we can't get better, 
but you know we, we're doing it within our means and we're doing it in within our style and and, and we're, we're vibing off that as well but what I'm what I'm what I'm trying to say you know in a long drawn-out way is that sometimes when you know it's good it's nice to have some stats to show you that it's good and it looks like we're creating loads of chances it looks like we're fluffing loads of chances don't get me wrong but even the great Man City teams, even the great Barcelona teams, they all miss chances. No one ever scores every chance they create. But by creating 20 chances a game, that means you're going to score three or four, which is probably, more often than not, enough to win a football match. And if you do that week in, week out, you go up. So I'd say, if you know, from, from that XG chart and from, from other, other data that's available... We are becoming the real deal. We're not there yet, but we're edging there. And this is going to be a very special season. Whether it's one first place, second place, playoffs, God only knows. It's a it's a nine month season, as I say. So you know, we'll see where we end. But I'm I am excited. Yeah, just just to follow on with that, um, it's the best way to indicate how good your team is is what opposition fans say about say about the team and how we play. And Wednesday fans were lucky to get away with 2-0. Nottingham Forest fans were... They were gone and buried until we let them in. And we've just really been really, really good for the last couple of weeks. And the funny thing is, we can get better. Ben Rama still has got to get used to this league and used to this country. We've got Marcondes coming back. We've got Odebajo and Henry coming back as well. Odebajo was one of the best players in our uh, playoff season. And... When he finally comes back to injury, he's played a few B team games, he'll be a massive asset. And it's scary how good we can be. Really, really scary. And, th- and that Leeds game you were talking about, that's going to be our benchmark. That's going to be... Either we'll go up automatically or playoffs will be determined by that game. Because if you can beat Leeds in their own patch, where and everyone's raving about them, all the pundits are throwing their hats behind them. If we beat them and we beat them well, there's nothing in this league that can scare us. Right, interesting thoughts. But listen, we're going to shoot the breeze a little bit more. But before that, we're going to have a little twang, which will enable us to go off, have a little break, have a couple of beers, and then we'll come back after this one, and we'll just talk about things. So, yes, we're shooting the breeze here in the White Hart in Southwark. Nice little vibe, boozer. If you're in the area, you definitely must come down. Like I said, I'm Billy Grant here. I'm here with Laney. I'm here with the Westbrook, and I'm here with the Sham D'Souza. We're all in here just chilling. We feel properly international. Like I said to you, Laney's got his shorts on. Ian's got his floral shirt on. Sham's wearing no clothes at all. And I'm trying to sort of just turn my eyes. I'm not, I'm not looking at all. You know, he's got a bit too international. He doesn't quite understand the rules on this podcast. Somebody needs to just give him a piece of paper as he comes in the door. He needs to start again. But that's fine. And I'm just, um, I've just got my flip-flops, which is all good. But we're harking back to last season, talking about international duty with our sunning ourselves going back to the, the north in the cold winters when you're playing your football matches and you're slogging it out as I say these are the games that you need to win but it seems that Brentford seems to have a lot of problems winning up north I mean we just seem to struggle and we've had our first game this season against Blackburn Rovers which to be honest with you if you, any of you saw the match we should have beaten them wasn't the best game in the world it's a pretty horrible game to be honest with you but they had one shot and they scored and we had a few shots and the goal Pierre some worldies to be hit the post and the crossbar and all sorts and we didn't score so we didn't win yet again up north I went to Blackburn last season again 
horrible game sludge in the snow was that the year before I can't remember we didn't beat them there again but anyway the point is we seem to struggle up north and I think Ian you've got some northern stats for us haven't you tell us that's right, Billy, I have. It occurs to me after the Blackburn game that our results up north are often really bad, and I can't think on why it is. And so I looked into this. Last season, we had five games in Yorkshire. We lost a lot. season before that, we had three games in Lancashire. We lost a lot. For some reason, we go north of the Midlands, and we can't perform. We did win two in Lancashire last year, but we've got nine games in Yorkshire, Lancashire, and North East this year. We have a lot of points on state. I don't know why we can't crack this... this uh, I'm going to say, I mean, you, you, obviously you can't win all your matches, and especially you're away from home, so, you know, there should be a few draws and everything like that. So the fact, OK, we lost five in Yorkshire last season, but we did win two in Lancashire. So, I mean, that, that's, that's a bit of a bonus, isn't it? That is a bonus, yeah, and we also won one in the north-east off at Sunderland. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's just the county of Yorkshire we don't actually like. No, no, but, but there was another season where it didn't go... Well, elsewhere, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. I mean, two years ago, we had nine away games north of the Midlands. We lost seven out of nine. I don't know what, what it is, you know. Was there, was there any particular county again where we really fluffed it? I thought so. I mean, I've got a list of all the, the, the results if you want, though. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe they're like long coach journeys, maybe they're like staying in hotels overnight. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to work out whether or not, because I'm trying to work out where not to go. I mean, if we keep on losing in Yorkshire, maybe we should stop going there. Maybe we should, you know. Don't go to Leeds, watch it on TV. The fact there's five Yorkshire clubs in the division again this year, so we do really need to sort out what the, the problem is, whether it's psychological, maybe we don't like Yorkshire, I don't know what it is, but there's some reason we can't get the results there, and I can't put my finger on it. But the, the good thing about going up north is, um, personally, is every time I look in the dustbin for something to eat. No, no anyway, listen, <laughs> listen, going up north is all good. We, we like a good little... A little weekender away. Like I said, your Leeds might even be a weekender away. But look, coming back to this, because I've been looking at this and I was thinking, we've got the North East. Like I said to you, we won, uh, we, 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 we won two games in Lancashire last season. The North East, we did not too bad. I think we won one and we drew one last season as well. Yorkshire, we didn't do particularly well. It all seems to be rotating. But what I think Brentford fans, they really need to know, they obviously need to make a choice. We've got the North East, we've got one team, which is Borough this season. Lancashire, which we've got two teams, I think, again this season, which is Bolton, um, Wigan, and three, and, 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 and Preston as well, three now, so it's gone up to three, and we've got Yorkshire, where we've got five teams. Which one of those ones, if you had to choose a place not to go to, because we're going to lose, which ones are going to be? Because we've already lost in Lancashire once, which one will you be? I'd say Lancashire, because you find a dead cat and you... <laughs> yeah, Cham, which one would you which, which one would you go for out of those three? Do you think, if you were going to make a choice, I'm going to say, I ain't going to do any away games in this particular one because we're going to get 100% the losing record. Probably, I would say Blackburn. 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 No, 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 it's got to be, no, no, no. It's, no, no again, it's, 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 the, it's the county, it's this North oh, yeah, East, yeah. Lancashire or Yorkshire? Yeah, Lancashire, definitely Lancashire. Um, last time I was, I went, to, I went to the Blackburn game you were talking about two, two, two seasons ago. Blackburn. Yes. Oh yeah. Blackburn away. Oh, yeah. People, this season got relegated. I went there and I didn't wear the right shoes and I got my frost it was cold, wasn't it? It was cold. It was horrible. Um, and I think we, we lost three two. We played awfully. Hogan was really good, but it was just a terrible game and I destroyed the city for me. So nah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go there. So, so Lancashire for you is off mark so you, if it's a Brentford fan you just put a big red X yeah. in that and you sit and you watch it on iPlayer if you can get hold of iPlayer as well or, or you just kind of just listen to it on, on the radio or something like that Laney yeah, on, a, on, a, on a serious tip though like 
uh, a northern away victory, I, I don't think there's anything quite like it. I, I think like when when you when you go on your travels and you've done a, a proper schlep, you know, not not your Reddings and not your Brightons or your Bournemouths or your Ipswiches. You've gone four hours north out of London on a train, and you spend you got up at six o'clock in the morning to get an eight o'clock train out of Euston or St Pancras or you know or King's Cross or wherever and you you come back with a maximum booty of three points under your arm it's it's a brilliant feeling so whether it's west of the Pennines whether it's east of the Pennines whether it's Yorkshire or Lancashire when we came back from Leeds that time um, it was the, I think the day before the Warburton thing was announced it was, I remember it, it was the 6th of February that game it was the 6th I remember it you know and the Warburton news got broken I think it was on the Sunday Times the day afterwards on the 7th of February which actually brought us on a downer after having a brilliant train journey back from Leeds after we beat them um, you know in that game so uh, like I said to you that, that feeling there's nothing like that feeling think about you know equally Blackburn in the FA Cup you know when we went up there and we won and you know we, we've 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 had we've had some big we've had some big away victories up up, up north so um, you know but you know equally looking at the stats that Ian's just just, just shown us we, we have to improve we, we, we have to make sure that we we treat every away game like it's just up the road but, but this okay but this is okay and it's an interesting thing you said we need to treat every away game like it's up the road what do we have to improve because is there some sort of psychological because there's a sort of psychological thing that's saying that northern teams are big and clogging and hard and, and, and surely that's some sort of fallacy it's not it's not really true is it or, or is it true and I'm saying you know, it's, it's, you know they're, they're just football teams and you know Leeds United aren't a big clogging team they play passing football they play wicked football and we'll go up there and, and, and we'll lose so what is it that we need to sort of change I don't know and is it in, you know away support I mean Blackburn we had sort of 400 people there Sheffield Wednesday last year 200 is it something like that you know there's, there's no not enough backing for the team up there is it the routine when they stay overnight you know they go something like ready they might just travel on the day your players out their comfort zone they're not home with the families I don't know what it is but there definitely is an issue there I think it really is I know what we need actually Maybe we need an away game coach. Well, I was going to say a, a northern acclimatisation coach. That, that, <laughs> that's, that's right. I mean, if we got an away game coach, a northern acclimatisation coach as well. What, what coach? <laughs> what coach, exactly. Um, maybe we, we also need a sort of clogging coach as well, maybe. Yeah, well, clog, clogs up north, definitely. That's right, that's right. I mean, any, any other coaches you think we could add to that? We've already got a free kick coach, we've got a sleep coach, we've got a cycle, you know, what other coach have we got? We've got a, what, what? Whenever we went up north a couple of years ago, there was always a coach waiting at... King's Cross do you remember whenever we come back all the players were on the train and uh, maybe they stopped doing that maybe that's right the the players used to get off the train so they used to get the train back and they got off the train they got on the coach all the fans used to get off there start singing the players thought that they'd just come out of Wembley and there's a brilliant and uh, and normally we would have actually either won or drawn and maybe we needed a northern mascot we need an away mascot maybe that's what we need I've noticed Buzz and Buzzette only do home games Maybe we need a northern mascot. This is what we need. I don't know what it. I don't know what it might be. No, no. Like I said to you, maybe. Like I said to you, maybe we need to have a bit of creative thinking. Now, maybe we, you know, put the put the word out there. Maybe you know, get on Twitter or get onto Facebook to see if anyone who's listening to this podcast have got any ideas as to how we can actually um, be a bit of a power. Yeah, cheerleaders, of course. <laughs> uh, but we could have. Uh, listen, as we move forward. 
how we can actually defeat this issue that we've got when we go up north and we seem to struggle more times than not. But listen, let's move on. I think that was quite an interesting point and maybe if uh, anyone from the coach coaching staff is listening and uh, they're actually getting uh, you know a few job applications in you know hopefully they'll be taking into our account our thoughts of actually getting a, a northern clogging coach in or you know a, a northern acclimatization coach as well dustbins okay oh, yeah. <laughs> and forget about the dustbins we're not gonna we're not even gonna go there you know what i'm saying <laughs> but listen <laughs> talking about doing well we're going to talk about some of our players. We always talk about our players that leave and they don't do very well at all. I mean, I know this is a very early stage. So, you know, we had a right good laugh talking about, you know, Otter, Harley Dean, and not to a certain extent, but Maxim Collingwood, we liked him anyway. But they went to a team in the Midlands, not quite up north. So we didn't need the Northern Climatisation coach. And that's probably why they give him the good old trouncing when we went up there. It was fantastic, you know. So, uh, yes, we, yeah, but anyway... We talked about them with quite fondness as to how they jumped ship and they didn't do particularly well. And we talk about the fact that a lot of players, when they leave Brentford, it's almost like a little ecosystem here. And they survive within the ecosystem. They leave the ecosystem, the nest, and they don't do particularly well. But then some players, they come out there and they seem to, to flourish. Now, Florian Josephson is one player, like I said to you, he was a bit of a punt. I mean, I, I could tell you this for a fact. He came in, he was injured at PSV for a long time a lot of the fan plans didn't rate him they said to him he's going to disappear if, it, if the going gets tough but he came to Brentford he knuckled down Brentford got into him and they, they made him the player he is or they worked together to make him the player he is he upped his level and he went from being a sort of a bit plant you know 70 minute player coming on and creating a bit of havoc to actually being a key player for us last season very well yes we got some good money for him he went to Derby but we thought tell you what you know, we'll take some of that and we'll go and buy Ben Rama, who we think is going to turn out to be a very good player. So we're not, we don't, we don't wish him any bad luck whatsoever. Good luck to Florian Joseph soon. Good little song. We had a good little sing song with him and he's given us some good times. He's gone to, um, well, a team, a newly named team, actually. And this is almost like, like, like franchise FC MK Dons. You know, they used to be called Wimbledon, but they've been renamed the MK Dons. They used to be called Milton Keynes Wimbledon or something like that, weren't they? Then they called MK Dons. But now Derby have also been renamed as well. Uh, Frank Lampard's Derby as well. Frank Lampard's Derby County. I've got to ask you, though, technically, shouldn't they start in the sort of ninth division, sort of like about seven or eight divisions below the Football League and, and work their way up because they've been renamed? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm up for that. It's one, one more relegation for them. Yeah, but although I, I, I'm doing, I've just done this. Um, I'm just doing this book for um, Aston Villa at the moment. It's like the first part of their 150th anniversary. Is that John Terry's Aston Villa? It used to be, didn't it? No, no, I'm not bringing John Terry into this. You've, <laughs> no, no. I, whenever has he been mentioned on this podcast before? But um, Derby County were absolutely hated back in Derby. They were the second team that was formed out of Derby and um, they, they, they were just like they were wrong and so um, I think people of the Derby back in the 1880s they would have been quite happy for Frank Lampard's Derby County to be relegated so this is um, so Flojo is now playing for Frank Lampard's Derby and um, he's, he's scored a couple of goals One, I think he scored two goals now yeah 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 he scored two goals now as well um, it's not necessarily the definition of doing well, but you know he's done. done he's been a substitute for most of the time. He hasn't even got come on for a couple of games, but he scored a couple of goals. And I'm just wondering, do you think um, going into this team derby with about 175 players in their squad, do you think that this has been a good thing for him? Yeah, sorry, Frank Lampard's derby. I really apologise. Do you think this has been a breath of fresh air for him, and he's done them good? 
I've got to say, you know, we've got Benarama, who's a fantastic player. I, I do miss Flojo. I think last season, we agreed at the end of the season podcast, he was our most improved player from last season. Second half of the season. First half of the season, he was inconsistent. Second half, you know, he won the first names on the team sheet. He was great. He, he created a lot of goals, scored a lot of goals for us. And apparently, he's doing well there. And so he got two goals in a week, both from at Hull City. And I think he'll, he'll become a real star there. And yeah, players move on. But I was sorry to see him go, I've got to admit. Uh, I think Flojo was a class player. He really connected with the fans. You could, he had a unique celebration as well every time he scored. However, one thing you've got to say is that we've replaced him with better. He had two dodgy knees. I think he spent about two years out at PSV. And we've replaced him with a player who's younger and potentially really, really good. So I could, the fans, yeah, we were upset to see him go. But you look at what's coming through with... Um, with Ben Rama, Canos also now has a chance to really step up. So, all's good for us, I think, at the end of that. God, to say also, he sent me an email you know, over the summer thanking me for renewing my season ticket, which I really thought was a very nice gesture of him before he left. So It's really good, before he signed for Frank Lampard's yeah, derby. Yeah. Um, I, there's something about Flojo that I really, really liked. And, you know, in, in the first season, when he was kind of on trial, I thought he, he looked just the kind of player. We, we'd gone through quite a lot of wide men that um, that we thought should do well but, but did, didn't quite perform but he really seized the opportunity and I thought at the end of that option we would have been mad not to have, not, not mad, mad not to have signed him and we did do that and he started the season quite quietly and I thought oh he's the kind of player that only plays when there's something in it for him but he got stronger and stronger that season and the goals he scored were just out the top draw he seemed to find like that bottom corner or the top corner every time. QPR away, yeah, as you say. Um, but you know, this 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 is a player that I think may uh, I, I, he, he should do really well at Frank Lampard's derby. But I, I still think that he probably should have stayed. Uh, I think he, he would have got more game time at Brentford, but he's made his choice. So you know, good luck to him. Um, and, and as Ian said, we've, we've, we've replaced with probably better. It's interesting again. I was thinking about um, Derby, not Derby, but thinking about Derby. That, Derby? No, Derby, when we, um, because I was thinking about the League Cup. We talked about the League Cup game when we played Derby when we were in Division 1, Uwe Rosler's side, when um, Josh Clark made his debut, and also Alfie Mawson came on for 15 minutes and made his debut then. And we were a dog awful, and we lost 5 0 in that game. And at that time, we were looking up to Derby thinking, oh my God, look at this stadium, look at this team. Oh, will we ever play them? Like, you know what I'm saying? Then we've moved on a number of years. We've played them quite a few times. We've finished above them and stuff. And now we're in the situation where we're in a, in, in a league against a newly formed Derby side, Frank, Frank Lampard's Derby. And uh, the interesting thing is that Frank Lampard's Derby fans are really excited about buying a player from us. This is Joseph soon. We saw them on Twitter. We got a good mate, one of our chums from... Um, 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 from, from Derby County blog as well you know I chat to all the time so he's like you know coming to me give us the news on Joseph Soon I gave him the SB they talked about it on the podcast they're very excited about him um, signing for them because basically he's come from Brentford and then after that as well they got even more excited about Engels who was a player that we weren't even going to sign but the rumour was going around that was one of the fake news stories that's going around there we had no interest in signing him at all but the rumour was going around there and then Derby were rumoured to be in for him and all the fans were going if Brentford are in for him he must be brilliant we're going to sign him this is fantastic news our scouting system is now really brilliant so you see how things are turned around where now Frank Lampard's Derby is actually trying to take a leaf out of Brentford's book. 
Yeah, and, and you know, this is this is part of like how Brentford's star is continuing to rise. What what we're seeing now is, you know, we, we've been we've been, you know, like batting away this like hashtag teams like Brentford and the Tim Pop Brentford and the your, your, your cow shed of a stadium and all that kind of stuff for, for many years now and now all of a sudden people that know anything about football are starting to talk about our football team not about our infrastructure and what we're seeing is um, the media have now turned as well and it's, it's almost like everyone is as, as, as kind of seen the light um, and it, 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 it's a bit galling because we like to be above, below the radar and we, we quite like that teams like Brentford tag and we like people taking the piss out of us when we beat them but things, things are starting to change and it's a big responsibility for some of these players now they can't just come in and they can't, they can't just breeze they have to come in and be at the top of their game and we're starting to spend more on these players as well instead of being 500,000 they're two, 2 or 3 million euros you know um, or they're, they're you know we, we, I know we're still getting a lot of money for, for the players that we sell but we seem to be cranking up the quality levels and that comes with responsibility and I've said that over the last the last you know three or four weeks now it's up to this team to prove they're no flash in the pan you know we're saying they're becoming the real deal it's for them to do it week in week out and that's what really pissed me off about Blackburn you know we, we were saying great things about them we were saying you know this team is one that's capable of XYZ and they went and blew it up at, up at Blackburn Rovers so you know it's, it's, it's a big responsibility and we talked about the flow, Joe, I mean, just briefly, we talked about Ryan Woods quite a lot as well. But let's just put him in context of this conversation. We're talking about players moving on. Ryan Woods has now moved on to Stoke City. He was on the bench for the first game. He didn't come on for the first game. If I remember rightly, I think he came on, on I think it was on Saturday. Yeah, he came on Saturday for Berarino, which is, ironically, he actually played for us. Uh, he scored a fantastic goal for us against Carlisle before he had a bit of a bit of a, bit of a fit and... Um, and uh, kicked off with uh, Uwe Rosler and he sent him packing back to West Brom. And, and, and that is history, as they say. So Berahino's gone, but um, he came in for Berahino, um, Ryan Woods. And I didn't see the game on, it was on Sunday. It was, uh, no, it was late Saturday, wasn't it? Late Saturday against Swansea. Was it against, uh, no, West Brom. That's right, West Brom. West Brom Stokes. I've got to need to get my facts together, don't I? You know what I'm saying? But he didn't do that. And they lost that game as well, didn't they? Uh, which was a bit of a gutter for them because they had uh, they got a couple of results before that and they thought, yes, we're back. Ironically, they got a couple of results kind of when the the, the, the the Woodsy thing was in place. And I was saying to them, ah, Woodsy's a good luck thing for you. There you go, you got your guns. And as soon as he actually sort of joins them, they lose. But uh, did one of you guys see the game? Did you see the game at all against uh, the, the, the Stoke game? Did, were you watching the Stoke game? Yeah, I saw I saw parts of it. Um, both teams looked agricultural. Both teams have players of quality, but don't really play with much quality, to be honest. A phobie. How did Footsie? How did Woodsy fit in? Uh, Woodsy came on for second half for Berino. He just seemed a bit all over the place. Really, he was chasing after the ball. He's still not really integrated in the team into the patterns of play. But he would he would, it would be much better if he stayed, played for us. But he's there now, and he's gonna have his cake and eat it. I mean, I know we could say that, and the thing about it is that he's gone now, and. I, this for me is like you know we could say you know the cake and eat and stuff like that it's gone I'm, I'm, I think more to the point is what I'm interested in is I'm interested in how the players is it is it the is it the Brentford ecosystem 
that keeps them where they are because the fact is that Hogan's come out of the ecosystem and it's not working. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, Hotter's come out of the ecosystem, it's not really working. Uh, Dean, you know, he just does what he does and they're happy with that. You know, I don't know whether it is or not. He does, But, you know, a lot of players come out of the ecosystem, which is about the training system and the style of football and the players around you, and it doesn't really work. And I'm just wondering, Woodsy's a great player for us. And the question was that a lot of people were saying is that if he goes to Stoke, maybe the style of football may not suit him. Maybe the players around him might not suit him. Maybe there might be seven people fighting for the same position. And, and I'm just interested to see what your thoughts were when you watched that first match. Yeah, I, yeah, I completely agree with that. I just think it'll take him some time to get into the into the pattern of play. But at the same time, Woodsy's a very he needs time on the ball. He he, he chases on the ball. He gets it. When he was playing for us, he was distributing the ball well. He was recycling play well. But if the ball's being kicked over his head from back to front, and he's he's just gonna scrap for it every now and then. He's not gonna he's not gonna show his true talent. So I can agree with the fact that he was doing really well under Brentford. Um, and also remember, he was first name, first name on the team sheet uh, for us last season. He was our best player last season. Is he going to get that time uh, at Stoke, uh, especially in their current system with the fans a bit unhappy with Rowett? I doubt it. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see it from afar. But I'm, I'm glad that we've got players that we have now. And we're doing really well. Yeah, again, and listen, we wish him all the best. Obviously, when he's not playing Brentford, when he's not, when he's not playing Brentford, of course. And as we say to you, probably actually Woodsy is going to be the, the main player, probably first on the sheet for the manager after Gary Rowett. Laney? Yeah, I'd like to say goodbye to his family as well. I think his dad, his dad's been a home and away Brentford fan. He's been, he's, uh, he's been in the, in the pubs at away games up and down the country for the last three years. Um, you know, I'll miss his gold chains and his uh, infectious laugh. He was a, he was a proper, proper character. Character, yeah, a proper character. So, yeah, Mr. Woods. Have fun, mate. Have fun. Cheers, Mr. Woods. Cheers. 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 After this twang, we're going to just shoot the breeze a little bit more. So, yes, we're sitting here in the White Hart Southwark. International mode, sitting down there. Like I said to you, there's the old Panama hats, there's the old flowery shirts, the flip-flops. We've actually got Cham to put his clothes on now, so he's uh, he's looking reasonably respectable, but still we're going to have to have a word with him because he's obviously doesn't quite know podcast rules. He's a podcast virgin, but there's still no excuse for that type of behaviour in a public boozer like this. But anyway, International Week and England are playing on Saturday. We're playing Spain on Saturday. I had a couple of tickets. Unfortunately, I'm going to be an international duty myself. I'm flying out on Friday for a week, going stateside going to see if any stateside visa are out there and I'll be back for the Wigan game but also there are other people who will be going international duty as well we've got bees on international duty Alan Judge has been called up for Wales versus sorry 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 yeah no, no, sorry Alan Judge has been called up for uh, for the Republic of Ireland yeah that's what I'm saying so he's been called up for the Wales versus the Republic of see they've just jumped in here you know what I'm saying <laughs> the Wales and Republic of Ireland game you know what I'm saying? Which is on Thursday, the 6th, kick-off 7.45. So that'll be an interesting one, because you're going judgy, going up against the Meps, the Mepham. So that'll be an interesting, uh, so like I said, Youth for Nations game. So it's a friendly, but it's turned into actually, a, it's a proper game, this one, because obviously there's, 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 there's things at stake for that one as well. And also, Poland are playing the Republic of Ireland, so he's off to Poland on uh, Tuesday in Roklaw as well. So uh, that'll be quite interesting as well. Obviously, he's got his buddy, John Egan, who now plays for Sheffield United, who uh, smashed Aston Villa 
who are the the ultimate teams like team at the moment now they're they're just going serial teams like you know after us crying and uh, we cried as well teams like Brentford and then, then Reading did them as well and they're ah we can't believe it teams like Brent, Reading and then Burton which we thought Burton had gone Burton in Division 1 and then Burton but, uh, they went for a Burton yeah but they beat them and then they said we can't believe we should be beating teams like Burton and then obviously there's Sheffield United but what was interesting when they played Sheffield United they were very careful there wasn't very much teams like going on for Sheffield United but anyway that's going on as well so um, the Meps as we know Chris Meppham he's, uh, he's up in the squad and he's playing against Wales as well and he's also playing against interestingly Denmark which is Dalsgaard's Denmark but apparently it's not Dalsgaard's Denmark is it um, the Westbrook no, it's not Dalsgaard Denmark because all the Danish players have gone on strike. So all those like Henrik Dalsgaard and others who played in the World Cup won't be playing against Chris Meppham this week because they're all on strike in some pay dispute and Denmark are going to field a team of futsal players and amateurs against Chris Meppham. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Maybe it's a good thing for Brentford that Dalsgaard will actually get a break because I don't think he's had a proper break since the end of last season. But He played, I think, every minute of Denmark's World Cup campaign. So maybe he's had a couple of weeks off. So it might actually benefit us for him to have two weeks off now. Could be a good thing. It's interesting. I mean, we talked about Dalsgaard. Like I said, he's a beam. We were very proud when we saw him come up on the on the tur- on, 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 on the on the on the on the big screen. You know, and as in Russia, you see him come up on the big screen. Ah, oh, there's a Brentford player there who was playing at the World Cup. Done very well. Denmark almost got to play England in the semi-finals. In fact, and they were just one penalty kick away from not doing that. Uh, since he's come back, Dalsgaard has got has got a bit of um, as a school teacher would say, must do better going on. He's been a little bit off the boil and we don't know whether or not this has something to do with uh, the amount of time that he's played, his focus on the World Cup, you know, just trying to re-acclimatise to the championship game. Laney? What is this tournament? What, what are these games they're playing on Saturday? What, what are you? The UEFA Nations League. And, and what happens at the end of it? You get some points and you can do things and you can qualify for stuff and, you know, it's just... Is it a bit like um, Jusson Frontier? Is it like it's a knockout? No, it's a bit better than it's a knockout. Actually. So, so is it European qualification games? There, there's sort of, there's sort of, it's, it's a bit vague, but there's a sort of vague European qualifications. You can sort of get some things and do some better, and, and yes, sort of, yes. So, I, it's just, they're just like friend, like friendlies, but friendly plus. I, I'm, a, I'm a bit like just when a friend. So, it's better than a friendly, but it's not quite a qualifying game. Sort of, yeah, but it's sort of qualified. Depends, yeah. So yeah, it sounds like as as vague as this loan system. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm getting excited about. I don't, I'm not. I'm no. I'm not getting excited. I'm, I'm I'm quite. I'm really happy for Brentford players to get called up for international duty. Um, but if, if you don't really understand what the tournament's about, and and you, and you live and breathe football, then I think there's something wrong. We've also got um, Camo. Camo Makochko, he's been called up for South Africa. They're playing Libya in an African Nation Cup qualifier. Um, they're playing in Durban on Saturday, Saturday the 8th of September. Love to fly out for that. I've been to that stadium in Durban actually. I saw England play South Africa quite a few years back, and that was absolutely wicked. Teething tremendous, as they say. So they're trying to consolidate themselves. Strong start in the FCON qualifying tournament there. So hopefully they'll do the business. Stuart Baxter there. Remain Sawyers. He's playing for St. Kitts and he's getting another cap out there. I think it's his 20, 23rd cap as well for St. Kitts. They're playing Puerto Rico as well. Marcus Force, he's playing the Denmark under... The Denmark under no, the Finland under-21s. I keep saying his names, but he's actually playing the Finland under-21s. There was a bit of a... Um, 
furore that went down with Market Sports at the beginning of the season, wasn't there? The Finns weren't happy with us, and we were like, you know, the, all the fin- Finnish fans wanted to put pins in our eyes, didn't they? Yeah, it was proper, proper like public enemy number one going on there. But I've got to say, Romain Sawyer's he's got. He's got the he's got it sorted, mate. If, if, if all, out of all of the games that I would like to see a Brentford player play at, it's his. Puerto Rico in St Kitts. Yes, please. Thank you very much. Yes, Romain Sawyer's. Yes, you know the list is so. But um, as we said to you, is um, Marcus Force. So Finland under 21s. Hopefully, the Finnish fans are going to be happy with us now because we've actually allowed him to go and play for a game if you don't know the story um, at the beginning of the season Finland had a under 21 game and uh, Brentford wouldn't release him for the under 21 game apparently allegedly, allegedly um, um, so they wanted to kill us all the Finnish fans and they said <laughs> we hope Brentford gets blown up and all sorts of ridiculous things I think the story might have been actually not quite the same where I think that maybe other Marcus Force didn't want to go or there was, some, there was something that wasn't quite didn't quite align and, uh, and Brentford kept him for the training session but anyway the Finnish fans were really really quite nasty but anyway he's going to play now and he'll probably score a hat-trick and they'll all be very very happy so that goes with Marcus Force as well and Erzi Konza as well we brought in very very classy looking player uh, like I said to our, our, our midfield player our, our centre mid, back players joint age 40 years old Mepham and Konza um, I wasn't sure if Konza was going to start, I'll be honest with you. Because when we signed Julien Janvier, I thought, Julien Janvier. He's from France. He's from. When we signed him, I thought, he's going to be the man, he's going to be in there. But the Konza got in there early, he got with a pre season training, and they looked and thought, yeah, you're right, and he looks comfortable on the ball. He looks like a wicked player, and this is just the start. But anyway, he's an England under-21. Now, that's big, you know. Um, we haven't had too many England under-21 players, Brentford. We've had under-20, under-19, under-17, under-16, under but an England under-21 player. So he's actually going to be playing for them. So that's actually fantastic. They're playing the Netherlands, um, uh, Carrow Road on Tuesday, and then they're also playing Latvia as well over in Latvia. So that's all good as well. And Ellery Borkham's playing for the under-20s against Switzerland as well. Great little goalkeeper. It'll be interesting to see, is he going to be stepping up into the first team? Is he is he the next player? Because obviously we've got Daniels, who is the number two, and then Ellery Borkham is, is there or thereabouts. What, what is the plan with him? Is Daniels just going to get, you know, is he going to become the number one or is Daniels going to be transferred off somewhere and Borkham come in? What, what do you think? very difficult difficult with the goalkeeping situation if I'm honest with you because um, you know I think Dan Bentley is capable of playing at the very highest level but he needs he clearly needs to eradicate eradicate some of these mistakes that he's been making you know almost won a game at the moment um, and, and they're being punished you know whether whether that punishment happens ongoing I don't know whether we've been unlucky um, but he seems to be a little bit hes- well, not hesitant. He seems to be a little bit eager to come out of his area. He's making he's making wrong decisions, basically. You know, the, the Stoke, the the, the, the the fuck up between him and Mepham was kind of pretty calamitous. You know, that, a, a, goal, we had a, a goal out of completely nothing in a game that we were dominating, and we, had, you know, in the end we had to score a worldie to get back into that and claim a point at Stoke. Should have won it. Um, I don't know whether to feel sorry for him or lambast him for 
the, the, the mistake against um, um, who do we play on Saturday? Forest, Forest on Saturday. So, you know, it, it kind of just went through him. There was the Watford goal in the pre-season friendly. They're, 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 you know, just three that really just do jump out. We're six games in and he's probably cost us three goals. So, you know, if that's harsh, then I'm sorry. But, you know, goalkeeper is always going to be highlighted as the one that his mistakes cost goals. That's, that just goes with the territory. But he, he needs to cut it out because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one that said week in, week out on this podcast that I, I can see him playing for England, I can see him playing for Man City. And he, he's got that in his he's got that within his grasp and he needs to cut out the mistakes. Yeah, I think the club have identified Balcom as the next big thing on the Brentford B production line. He's been given, I think, quite a long contract, four or five years. He's on loan right now at Boreham Wood. Boreham Wood fans are rating him highly. He made a worldy... Uh, uh, saves a few games ago when they were on his debut. Yeah, on his debut when they were. I think they were last three 0 They should have lost six or seven 0 So he's the next big thing. And the fact that he's at Brentford, but playing regularly for the England under youth teams, under twenty team this this time round, shows how much they rate him. And Bentley's got to be careful because these mistakes are piling up. I'm thinking about QPR uh, at away, Leeds at home last season where he dropped the ball in front of the TV made a few mistakes already this this season and, and Watford pre-season so like I said he shouldn't be too comfortable uh, Balcom's got his number I believe and he could be a better keeper we don't know until we, we see him and Bentley's definitely a great keeper but the mistakes have been quite regular this season I mean could it be is he complacent do you feel he hasn't got any competition for his, his shirts at the moment Dan, I, mean, you know, I, I can't, don't want to say if I think Luke Dan is, is a good goalkeeper or not I haven't seen enough of him he's only played in the cup games Bentley's undoubtedly a good keeper, but at the moment, he's certainly having at least one mistake a game. He is indeed. Listen, listen. moving on. Patrick Gunnarsson. So he's at play for Iceland uh, under-19s. They're playing Albania away uh, on Tuesday. And Saturday and Tuesday, they two games versus Albania. Ooh, very interesting. So uh, they're playing them as well. And then also Johnny Mitchell as well. So the Johnny Mitchell, he's a Scottish under-19 player as well. Yeah, that's right. So he's playing Poland as well on the 19th, and also on the 6th. So they're playing Poland twice. Interestingly, so there's a, and then you've got Jakob Okansen as well, and uh, uh, and he's playing for Finland, Finland under 19s as well. So we've got him playing as well, and then we've got David Titov as well. And David Titov is playing for Latvia against also the Macedonia, the Faroe Islands, and Ukraine, the under 19s. So we've got that Jan Zemberek as well. So uh, yeah, so it's got that. So we got honestly, we got a lot of players on international duty over the next few days, which is which is interesting. I mean, I know some of them are under 80s, under 90, under 21s, you know, but also a few first teamers as well. A David Titov one is is, is is brilliant because my son Seb he played in the same team as him for Spellthorn when Ro- Rowley was the manager so they played like six a side or seven a side or whatever it was at that age and, and, and David Titov he, he had the most amazing tackle but he, he's, his mum and his dad or I got to know his mum was Latvian and got, at that stage when they were playing on parks all around Middlesex I never thought that he'd be playing for his, he'd be representing Latvia so fair play to you um, happy, happy memories with Rowley Broly Joseph and uh, yeah happy days mate days indeed so so we're talking about a, a plethora of these players on international duty 
But we're just wondering, are there a few bass players out there that we think maybe should be joining them on international duty? Ian? Or maybe Saad Benarama's probably got a shout. I mean, um, Algeria have got a Cup of Nations qualifier against Guinea at the weekend. He's got one cap for Algeria, which he won three years ago uh, as a sub against Senegal. Surely if he carries on playing the way he started this season, they'll be looking for uh, the signature again. Which is true. Also, I'm going to throw a funny, funny one out there. Ollie Watkins for England. Gareth Southgate said in, uh, in midweek that he's willing to look at the championship as a potential place for English players. Watkins has been probably one of the better players in the championship, especially one of the better English players. Why shouldn't he play? Uh, get a couple of games. It's interesting, Dean Smith actually, uh, t- he actually, t- you know, not trying, trying to put his price tag up or anything like that, but he actually touted Ollie Watkins as a, a potential future England player. And then we've had numerous other people are saying that, you know, everyone saying, I mean, I spoke to Chris Powell, uh, the South End manager now as well, the ex uh, um, Huddersfield manager in Derby County, and that spoke to him about three or four months ago and he was chatting away and he's saying you know you've got a great team there Ollie Watkins you know he said I was looking at him back in the day he says he's an absolute absolute talent and that kid's going to go all the way so all the people in the scouting world and the footballing world believe that Ollie Watkins is going to be a huge player as long as he keeps the focus and he keeps doing what he's doing so you know the England shout could be a good shout obviously you know the first step is to try and get into the, the under 21 side and move on from there which is quite interesting like, you know um, you talked about Saeed Benarama which is also quite interesting uh, and you know what this, but the question I also asks is that with these players though do we as Brentford being selfish rather they didn't get any international duty in this window I think it's good for them to get international duty. I think, you know, the, the, if you said to us six, seven years ago, we're going to have a dozen Brentford players in international duty, you'd have laughed. I think it shows how far the club's come. I think it's good our players get recognised. From, from the, um, maybe the director of football's point of view, adds to their value, their international caps. The experience is good. You know, I think with the, in the case of Dalsgaard, because he played all summer at the World Cup, might be good for him to a couple of weeks off now. Most of the summer, I, I think it's a good thing. Okay, and I'm going to turn around and say, in. We, we, we were always desperate beforehand because all the, we used to always play these other clubs who were in Division 1 and then these other bigger clubs who had international players more than was it two or three international players they used to get a week off because they had international duty and we like we got it every now and again but we couldn't get anything oh, I wish we got international duty but now we're actually thinking I'm thinking I don't want any of our players going into it I want them to rest up so that they can come back and smash Derby the following week you know what I'm saying Because it's, which is all good you know even though I mean, I'll go and I support England and all this kind of stuff but in a, in a real selfish Brentford type of way I, I want these players to be kind of preserved for the bees it's, it, I don't know what the rules were back in the day but I thought it was like if you lost two or three was it, was it three then, then you could, you could you get your game called off and, um, but now it looks like out of our squad we've got like at least a dozen and that is just like it's just testament to, to how far we've come you know and that's it's, it's, it's no exaggeration so you know and, and you say like um, players being called up it hasn't been so far I think you know we, we did take we did rip rip the piss out of Josh McKeck for a little bit um, when he said, you know, he, he was he had his eye on uh, an England call up at some stage of the future um, after the World Cup, but you know, uh, it's, it's up to him now really to, to stay fit. It's up to him to prove that he's he's credible, and I think he is. I think you know the the the, the, the DOFs and the manager, the, the manager, the head coach, think he's one of the most gifted players we've got at our football club. And he needs to he needs to do that week in week out over a 40, 40, 40 plus game season, stay fit, um, 
whether he's with us next year in the Prem or he gets his move. But yeah, I think it's a good chance that he could he could be competing. It's almost like he's like Phoenix from the Flames' his career. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see Mekekko play. Uh, I wonder if he, from his surname, he might be eligible for Scotland because they certainly need a couple of players, to be honest. But yeah, Josh, hopefully Josh can go up and, and do that. Just about the internationals, it's really good that they're all being called up. Um, they get experience of, of playing under a different structure for a bit in a different environment. And it helps young players grow up to, to be... I mean, Chris Meppham was with Gareth Bale when he was there last year. And he learned a lot from him and hopefully that can mature him into a better player for us when he comes back. Yes, indeed. I mean, just coming back to the Saeed Benarama, it's interesting because... In effect, you know, we say that he's replaced Joseph soon and he's replaced all his players and, yeah, there's a replacement, but the bus replacement service and all that lot. But the reality is that we hark back to a player who is very much in people's hearts. Who only left us a year ago. Potter, right? Uh, we had a flag for him. We had a song for him. He was a player that, you know, had, had women crying and sweeping and laughing and singing. You know, and he brought a lot of joy to people. And it's interesting. It's like thinking about it now. Why? Why was that? Why did Hotter bring so much joy to Brentford fans? Who a lot of people say that they thought he was the best player to ever ever graced the pitch at Brentford. I think it's just because of the football he played. Because he was someone you never knew what he was going to bring. He was a match winner. He could just produce a piece of brilliance that, that just turned the game. I mean, obviously the goal against the last minute goal against Fulham. He did as many people's hearts, and after that, maybe his long hair, maybe I, I don't know what it was. He was a special. You need a special player. And Hotter at his prime was a special player, but Saeed Benarama could be that player. You know, the South End game. He's got his own song. Some things in that game were unreal. It was only a League Cup game against a League One team, but even so, what he showed in that game, some of the tricks he's shown since then, he could be even better than Hotter. Hotter was the right player at the right time at Brentford he always seemed to be able to conjure up something just you know the, obviously the last minute song you know it'll never be forgotten because of that Ben Rama he's got every bit as much potential I think as, as Yotta he can cut him from either wing he's got a trick he, he can he can step over the ball and he can mesmerise a defender He's, the, the two goals that we scored against Forrest both came from his crosses. He's 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 a pivotal player for us, and he, he can only get better. And you know that he was really really unlucky up at Blackburn. You know, it was a worldy save, and he hit the woodwork. And you know, he scored the goal at South End, and he set one up. And every, every time he gets the ball, there's some magic in him, and he's got he's got an appetite for the game. And you can't put a price on that. He, he's come. He's come to England to make a name for himself, and he he is going to do it. And he's going to do it with Brentford. So I'm so excited. And you know, hopefully, there's no baggage. There was baggage with Yota. You know, for 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 as good as he was, and 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 as much as we love him, you know, he he left us, and he you know it was the the famous you know. Letter and the, you know, out, and then he buggered off to, to Birmingham. So you know, it's it's Yotta is great, but he's flawed. Um, ben Rama, he's got a clean clean slate ahead of him. He's made no mistakes so far, and um, he, he, he can be every every bit as great player as Yotta. 
with special players, you always remember the special moments. And uh, with Hotter, for me, as great as that last-minute winner at Fulham was, it'll always be the season when he came back and he did that little flick over Bidwell, former Brentford captain Bidwell, just left him for dead completely. Um, ben Ramers has the potential to, to be up there. He certainly can score goals. He can certainly create assists. He can go surpass Hotter for exactly the same reasons. He hasn't got any baggage, hopefully. Um, and we'll, we're going to be seeing it. And we know, we know how good Hotter was. And we're watching Ben Rama right now surpass that. So um, um, that's one of the reasons why this season is going to be so great. Quick question for you, Bill. Six games into the season, was Yotter as good as Ben Rama? It's really difficult to sort of uh, to, 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 to think back to that um, in his first game of the season. Obviously, it's the, the Warburton season, and uh, we started actually quite slowly in the Warburton season, if you remember rightly. It took us a bit of a while to get going, and it wasn't until maybe October, November, in fact, it was November, Derby County, when we beat them 2 1, um, and they surprised them. Uh, again, I remember the day, it's the first week in, in November, we beat Derby County, and that's when we took it up a level. So I think all them players took a little bit of time. When Ben Rama, the first time I saw him play was against Watford in the friendly and I remember we were both there together and we went bloody hell he's quite good isn't he quite looking forward to him coming and we thought he was going to start in the next game but interestingly we had done our player management thing by leaving him on the bench and not, you know, not trying to sort of blow the gasket too quickly and bring him into the game quickly to get him to learn the game and it's quite good because you don't have these situations where he was out there for 60 or 70 minutes and he'd blown himself away after 40 minutes and then you're thinking, oh, bloody hell, he's not really good. He's come on, he's made an impact and you thought, that's really great. And eventually, as he's learned to learn the game now, he's had to, he's come on, he started the game after four or five games and we're all really, really impressed with him. Um, it's really difficult. Potter, I did love him as a player. I thought he was great. Um, interestingly, we kind of ignored the fact that he was very one-footed. Okay, he managed to do things like, you know, left-footed playing on the right and cutting in the right way and everything like that. And I think probably the way that Brentford played allowed him to get away with it because maybe he did a couple of passes off people which allowed him to bring it back onto the foot and bring it around them or whatever like that, which maybe Birmingham City haven't quite sussed that out to do. Um, maybe Ben Rahm is a different type of player where, than him um, where he is able to go one way or play with both, whatever like that. So all I'm trying to say is that still very early days, but very excited by Ben Rama and the impact that he's had for Brentford and uh, naturally I will think because he's a Brentford player that he could and I would like to think he would be as big or even bigger than Hotter and make a bigger impact than he did as well Move, I mean moving on as well you know talking about that I mean we've, we've talked about a lot of international players um, We've got a lot of international players. We've got players who have been shooting, scoring, missing. But these players that we've got in our side, they have put us right up there on the XG table. XG, if you don't know it, is the expected goals table. It's a table that statisticians have put together. Some people go, oh, no, that stats nonsense is rubbish. It's all about getting your points and getting your goals. Yeah, that's fine. Doesn't really matter. You know, we agree with that. We understand that is what it means at the end of the day. But sometimes quite interesting to look at this other information because what this kind of in effect what it does it says that people if you create very good chances it's rated by some system by some people out there and then they put it into a chart and you are 
you are basically put in a, in, 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 a, in a league table based on these chances that you've created and it's called EG, XG expected goals. Now, we were all right last season, but this season it looks like we are even better. And we've looked at the XG table and Brentford are riding high at number one in the XG table. Um, it's no point putting the points or anything like that, you know, uh, playing six, you know, um, but like I said, all the figures there wouldn't mean anything to anyone, the XGM, the XGA, this is all statistician's turns. As far as we're concerned, they put all this information together, we are first, Middlesbrough are second, Sheffield United interestingly are third, Blackburn are fourth, Wigan are fifth and Bristol City are sixth, you know, a lot of the teams that you expect up there, you know, Aston Villa are, are, are sort of kind of they're down the bottom somewhere they're properly sort of like you know not in a forest that are absolutely rock bottom you know Bolt Wanderers are bottom Rotherham, um, um, Rotherham at 20 seconds you know you've got Aston Villa are 19 Derby County or sorry Frank Lampard's Derby County are 18 you know Stoke City are 16 so again what does this mean it may mean nothing and nothing all it does is gives you an indicator that what we're doing is that we're doing the right thing we're creating the right chances um, we're putting some of the goals in and uh, you know uh, it's putting us in a good position and what it's also got is I think it's got a lot of people excited about Brentford the people in that betting world and the stats world and everything like that they start to talk about Brentford beforehand they were going ooh Brentford may be a long shot Brentford this that Brentford might beat you know Newcastle maybe a couple of years ago but then we didn't do but this year we're looking like a little bit more of a solid bet based on the games that we've been playing and what we've been doing Hey, as I said earlier in the podcast it's, it's great to see some stats that back up what you're seeing with your own eyes and you know Brentford clearly are you know creating more chances than everyone else and we, we spoke last week or was it the week before about the um, report in the uh, Telegraph that said basically the championship season although it's a long and grueling one it may not be actually long enough to, to, to strip out the, the luck element so the best teams over the nine-month season, which I know I bang on about, but it's a fact, the best teams over a nine-month season will rise to the top. And you, you, you can take snapshots over you know, three weeks, six weeks. Six week, the the six-week snapshot at the moment is looking good for us. And of course, we take that over the nine months. But we've got to do this week in and week out. So this XG and this predicted positions that Brentford are, um, are being forecast to achieve in, in a lot of a lot of these a lot of these statistician um, league tables show that we should be confident in achieving promotion and, and that's a bit scary to be honest with you I'm, I'm not I'm not comfortable with saying that as flippantly as black and white as that you know we we are we stand a good chance of going up this year and uh, you know, do we want to go up? Interesting. We are top of this XG table. Look at our next game against Wigan. They're fifth in the table. They've got the highest expected goals for total over six games. Eleven and a half goals they should have scored according to this. So it's not going to be an easy game Saturday week. Definitely not. No, no, again, you know, I took a bit of a advice from a a, a a stats person again because I like I like the thing is. I like this information. I think more information you have, you can make a you can make a choice. You can make a decision. You know, I'm sure if like, gambling people had some sort of stat stuff. They'll make a decision on it, yes or no. So you might decide to ignore it if you want to. But and I've got that information. And two years ago, I spoke to this person and I said, "Who do you think is going to be the team to watch this season?" And this was in July. They said Huddersfield. And I laughed at him. 
and got it completely and utterly spot on, especially as we had beaten Huddersfield 5-1 the match beforehand as well um, at the end of the season. So I laughed at him. And then last season, I asked him at the beginning of the season, who's the team to look out for? And he said, Bristol City. And I laughed at him again. You know what I'm saying? So that was a laugh. This season, I said, who's the team to look out for? And he goes, Wigan. They're going to do better than people think. You know what I'm saying? So early days, yeah, but they, they seem to be doing all right. Champ. Yeah, what you've just said, Billy, is that sometimes the stats don't lie. If you play good football, if you've got the right players, if you've got the right environment, you can smash the league and, and go up and get promoted. This season, what we need to do is we need to make sure that those stats become reality. We need to hit, score more goals, but even more, we just need to make life easier for us. Against Forest for about 20 minutes, the whole stadium was, was down and, and grumpy and moaning because we had let um, the other team in, even though we had dominated the game. So I just wish the team would just make our lives a bit easier, to be honest. I've got to say as well, it was probably a year ago or maybe a little bit less than a year ago when we said that we couldn't work out or Dean Smith couldn't work out. He went in, he went in runs, of, he went in sequences of results and you know he couldn't work out why he was winning or why he was losing. And it, it, it seemed to be like a very slim differential between both of those two points. But now... It, it seems like he's, he seems to have a winning formula. Maybe the reason that he was losing when he should have been winning was the team wasn't quite good enough. And they were, they, were, they were playing the same football, but they weren't consistent enough. And now there's strength and depth and whoever he picks, it's almost like the perfect storm for Dean Smith at the moment. He's got, he, he, I don't think he could, he could have a better job in, in, in English football. Indeed, and, and it's interesting you say that as well, because uh, um, Adil Ray, who's Citizen Khan, uh, he messaged me a couple of uh, days ago, the old Citizen Khan, and he said to me, Dean Smith, we're coming for him. And I said, you're having a laugh, mate. He goes, trust me, you watch my, my message now. We're coming for him. Bruce has got to go, and we're coming for Dean Smith. He's a villain. And I said, mate, you know what I'm saying? You don't even understand. You know, If you need Dean Smith as well, he's a great manager, but you haven't got the infrastructure, and you ain't going to bring our infrastructure to Aston Villa. And he was very confused, and uh, I think he had to go away and... Uh, probably write another episode of uh, Citizen Khan to, uh, to probably calm his nerves to, to realise that Dean Smith wasn't, wasn't coming there. But anyway, this has been the beside of uh, Pride of West London podcast. I just want to go around the table, because like I said to you, you know, I've got the Hawaiian shirts on, I've got the, 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 the Panama hats, I've got the flip plots, I've got the naked man beside me as well, and I just, I just want to know, you know what everyone's going to be doing on your international break this weekend, because there's no Brentford football, but there's other things that you can be doing. Chem. Uh, unfortunately, it's just going to be work and revision, Billy. Work and revision. I'm a, I'm a young man and I've got uh, qualifications again, so just work. Rising? Yeah, yeah. Rising for what? Uh, just doing my final accounting module, so. So, so you're going to be, so be, be accounting yeah. on the weekend? Yeah, yeah, just going to get it done. Get it done. Going to get that done while uh, the football's not on, or Brentford's not on, so get all that done and then I can enjoy Wigan the week after. Well, good luck. Good luck with that one, man. You're going to say. Laney. You know me, mate. It's all about the numbers. I'll, I'll be accounting as well, so I'm going to be done. Um, I'm going to be getting the old abacus out, and um, I'm going um, to I'm going to be doing some numbers. I'm going to spend numbers on what? Oh, numbers on everything, mate. Everything's binary these days. That's fair enough. So Lenny's doing a bit of binary. Cham's doing a bit of sort of kind of digital. Uh, the the Westbrook. What, what, what kind of numbers are you going to be doing the weekend? It's going to be probably will be football numbers, but probably about my annual trip to the Hive to watch the uh, the Plastic Bees who are playing Maidenhead in the conference. So uh, more football, I think. And for myself, I'm going to be watching a bit of uh, American football. I think I'll be watching 
the Florida State University play some sort of American football versus something I think been lined up for me. I'm going to be out in Florida for a, for a week, as you do, you know, because uh, it's an easy life. It's not an easy life, as you say, but look, but I'll be back for the bees on uh, flying straight in on Saturday, straight to the match, so I'll be all over the place again on, uh, on, on the following Saturday when you see me against Wigan. But anyway, this is the Besotted Brother Whistle on the cast. I'm going to ask you, first of all, if you can subscribe to us, please, on uh, YouTube, Besotted1992. Describe to us on Facebook, Besotted, and also on Twitter as well. You know, you can like us. There's also some My Love Griffin Park t-shirts available. There are some I love Griffin Park t-shirts available which obviously you need to get hold of because obviously Griffin Park is not going to be around after two years so you check on besotted.com you'll check the I love Griffin Park t-shirts which have been actually flying out be doing alright actually which is all good and they're, they're actually quite nice so you've got to check that out as well but other than that like I said to you radio show check it this week's one was quite funny like I said a lot of fake news on there go to prideofwest.london and you can get the radio show and all our podcasts on there but other than that we're on the White Heart in Southwark it's been great they've been taking very 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 good care of us it's quite lively in here it's quite wicked but other than that we're going off on our international break as we all gonna say Go Days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.